We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the <laughs> main floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like they're, like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. Saturday Suckage, and boy is this Saturday Suckage. Suck Roll Call right now. I'm Steve Rosenblum, and let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks, and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Mike Tomlin. Uh, sucking. Jake Arietta. This sucks, really, it does. Brian Cashman. I also know that we suck right now. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Chris Rock. I suck so bad, he used to pick me after the white kids. Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy Jimenez. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys are suck. Hey, when, when I got traded the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh my God, this sucks. Random Bears fan. Steph Curry. We suck tonight. Terry Bores. Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Avenue Q. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be me. It sucks to be broken, unemployed, and turning 33. St. John. Sucks to me. Ross Perot. There will be a giant sucking sound going south. 
Devin McCourty. Sucks to end the season that way. Nick Chubb. One of the things that stuck in that stuck to us when, when he came here, he said, you know, you gotta embrace the suck. Pat McAfee. There are some commentators that suck out there. Nikolai Ehlers. Uh yeah. Uh not a fun morning. Um uh yeah, it, it, it sucks. Um Chris Ballard. And now we get we lose these last two games and we just suck. Giannis. We suck. Play bad. They made shots, they played good, they played better than us. Drew Doughty. Thanks for going through this. I know it sucks watching it, but uh, we'll get out there in a sec. Um... Garth Algar. Turn it off, man! Turn it off! It's sucking my will to live! Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. Mark Rohde. Bueller. Bueller. Cesar Perez. Hello, sir. Hey, hey, at least somebody's here. How are you, Caesar? I'm doing good. I'm ready for some suckage. All right, well, we got it today. We are broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Our tech zone already alive, and we encourage you to, to enliven it even more. 312-644-6767. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. All right, look. Here we go. Saturday suckage. This is what it was made for. The World Series-bound White Sox are under 500. they They've made more errors than George McCaskey. The Cubs are 1-3 and three against the Pirates, who aren't even trying to field a major league team, and the Bulls. Playing their first home playoff game in five, count of five years, orchestrated the worst home playoff loss in franchise history, 30 embarrassing points, 30 at home. Something that didn't even happen with Michael Sweetney and Tyrus Thomas. Saturday suckage indeed. The Bulls got clobbered in the first quarter on their home court with their raucous fans after a stirring road victory in game two. It made all dreams possible. And then in the first half in Chicago against a shorthanded Bucks team that didn't look like it even wanted to play a series before the inept and inert Bucks were outscored 22-10 to 10 in the paint in the first half. The Bulls were outscored 22-10 to 10 in the paint in the first half. They saw their bench blistered 20-5 to 5 by Milwaukee's shorthanded bench, by the way, and they failed to score one measly point on a fast break while giving up 11. The Bulls might not have quit, but you could see pooping their pants in a big moment from here. So... Welcome to the show, Cody Westerland. What do you got to say for yourself and the team you cover? Hi, Cody. That was just a disaster, Steve. I don't know (laughs) what there is left to say, but I'm happy to try to answer any of your questions to to detail what was really a nightmarish night at the United Center for the Bulls. Cody joins us on the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. This was... I don't, there's one thing about being ready to start. It's one thing about having some fight. And and whatever happened after that stirring victory in game two seemed to just work for the Bucks. And the Bucks kept daring the Bulls, take your three-point shots, go ahead. And the Bulls said, okay, we were, oh, oops, oops, oops. I, I just don't understand where the, the fight, the will, the, they look like marshmallows. Yeah. And it's super perplexing because of how hard fought the first two games were. 
and you would hope that the Bulls would be past that point, right? When you look at teams that, I don't even want to say even championship contenders, just teams you need to take seriously in the playoffs, very rarely do they lay any sort of complete dud like that in a game. And you felt like even after the Bucks came out strong, hey, you know, the Bulls were in this position in game one. They were down 9 nothing early. They kind of righted themselves, steadied themselves, and they made it a game. And even if the Bucks were going to be a lot better than they were in game one, you would have thought that same fight would take hold at some point. And they really got, like, demoralized by Bucks role players, right? Like, Bobby Portis got knocked in the eye last game and comes out, knocks down a couple threes and is yapping, just dominated on the boards. The Bulls didn't have anything to match his intensity. Grayson Allen, the most hated man at the United Center last night, comes in, makes everything, and no Bulls players can, like, stay in front of Grayson Allen or close out on him. And I think that's probably the most embarrassing part for the Bulls was it wasn't like it was just Giannis and Drew Holiday dominating this game, even though those two were very good. They just got completely outplayed by by these Bucks guys who are role players and who are basically their, their three through seven or three through eight guys on the roster. Our guest is Cody Westerlund. He covers the Bulls for the score. That's what you're listening to right here. It's Saturday Suckage. Very appropriate that we're talking that team. Every Bulls starter was outscored by the dirtiest player in the league. I mean, it's not just that Grayson Allen's a dirty player and the largest piece of fecal matter in the league. He's the guy who abused the Bulls season. Maybe they wouldn't even be here in this spot if he hadn't he hadn't, you know, treated Caruso that way, if he hadn't played so dirty. And what was really a- aggravating. Not that he's hitting shots. He's out there. He's going to hit shots. He's going to stay away from the perimeter. When he drove, and they had a chance to, I don't know, take his head off. Okay, maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you don't want to draw blood. But maybe you want to let him know, hey, we know what happened. We know what you did. And when you're, I always think you're up 30, you're down 30. Dole out some punishment. Why not? Show something. And he got, the Bulls gave him a police escort to the room. That's that's really infuriating. This speaks beyond just just giving up points. That speaks beyond that. And while it might be, I'm not saying I don't know that it's really uncharacteristic that this is a team that doesn't that doesn't that normally responds but isn't physical. And against a guy like Giannis and a bigger lineup and Bobby Portis, you've got to show up that way. I I don't know. Do you think it's in them? Do you think that changes? What happens tomorrow at noon, Cody? Well, I do think it'll be a closer game tomorrow because, I mean, it, it can't be much worse than last night, obviously. So that's not really going out on a limb to say that. <laughs> I, I think to your Grayson Allen point, I mean, I, I'm personally past this Grayson was dirty and hurt Alex Caruso. The Bulls, to me, doled out their punishment with Derek Jones Jr. giving him a flagrant foul and then Nikola Vucevic popping him in the head, too, in another game. So, like... I don't think Grayson Allen going to the rim and the Bulls not putting him on the floor is any sort of big deal. But to the part, to your point that matters is you either have that mindset and physicality or it's not that natural to you. And size and physical play doesn't come easily to these Bulls. Obviously, when you talk about size, they're just they're just smaller than the Bucks. In many ways, I mean, the Bucks are starting a guy at center in Lopez, who's what seven foot. Giannis six eleven, plays like he's seven foot two probably. Then you have Bobby Portis in there at six ten. Usually it's Chris Middleton until he hurt his knee, 
Like the Bulls can't match up with Milwaukee's size, and that shows its that rears itself more in the playoffs, I think, than during the regular season when play can be a little bit more physical and teams, I think, lock in on a scouting report a little more intensely to take away your first options. So what we saw, like the Bucks just completely walled off the paint. I mean, the Bulls had 14 points in the paint, I think, in the first three quarters on seven of 19 shooting. And that's when the game was in doubt. I mean, it wasn't really in doubt in the third quarter either, but that's when the starters were still playing for the Bulls. The Bucks gave the Bulls nothing at the rim. And every time DeMar DeRozan went to go somewhere, there was a second defender sitting there basically on his hip in the driving lane. And like you mentioned, Steve, uh, DeMar gave the ball up. He, he shared it, and the Bulls were terrible shooting the three-pointer. And that has to change if they're going to compete with the Bucks. But DeMar's got to be a little more forceful himself. But I think if you're talking about Sunday, and I think so much of this comes back to the Bulls, if they were to have any chance in this series, if they're to compete with the Bucks at a high level, get these games into the final minute where it's close, it's got to be Zach Levine to me. And it can't be Zach Levine like last night. I mean, last night he was a role player. Um, and he wasn't particularly good role player for the Bulls last night either. He has to be able to be a star, and he hasn't done that much at all in this series, hit a couple big shots in game two, but part of it's that knee, part of it, it doesn't seem like he's totally comfortable with how the Bucks are playing him defensively, and that's got to change. I mean, there's no hope for this Bulls team, in my opinion, if Zach Levine does not step up in a big way to give DeMar DeRozan a little bit of help here. Cody Westerland of the Score is our guest. We're talking Bulls, unfortunately. We're sorry. We we suck so you don't have to, and they sucked way beyond what they needed to. One, Two things here. One about Zach Levine. I really hate this. I, I always went through this covering hockey, and you watch the playoffs, and you want to criticize a guy. I do criticize a guy, and then I find out he needs a lung transplant because yeah. he was playing with a punctured lung, and we all go through. The, you know, we feel like crap, but that's, you know, teams don't tell us anything. The Bulls have sort of told us what's gone on. Zach said he's been hurting all year, bro. And so what you say is accurate, and yet I feel bad as a what can we expect, but he's out there playing and they expect it from him. And I don't know what's – what do you think is legitimate or honest that 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 is a reliable expectation? What's fair? Yeah, it's so hard, and I've – I've gone back and forth with that. I've talked to people about that. It's so difficult to judge someone. But, like, I think you got to take some of these guys at face value, right? Like when Zach's saying, I feel good for the most part. Billy Donovan saying, you know, he wanted to go back in the game. He didn't say he was hindered. I mean, you can tell he's hindered to an extent. He's literally limping sometimes when you're sitting there watching him from 20 feet away on the baseline from press row. I think the TV cameras were showing him limping and hobbling a little bit, Mm -hmm. too. So, like, it's evident. But he's also had some really good, efficient games late in the regular season where it's like, oh, he's still got that pop. He's got that intensity. That's what what he looks like. Now, maybe we were a little short-sighted and he wasn't – playing very hard on defense late in the regular season, and he just doesn't have it in him two ways in the playoffs. And you try to play a little harder on defense, you don't have as much on offense. It it just doesn't go as well. But, like, if he's trotting out there and saying, this is what I've been dealing with, like, I, I'm still going to sit here and hold him to a really high standard because you see some of this stuff in short bursts, and then it's just gone, like, 
at some point, if you're out there in a big playoff game and playoff series and you've been waiting your whole career for this, you got to go to the hoop more. You got to go harder. You got to go earlier in the game. You can't sit there and wait to be down 16 points and then be like, ah, now I need to start attacking the hoop. You know, they're taking DeMar away. Like at some point, you just got to go harder earlier and be more aggressive. And we'll see what they say after games. It's really difficult to judge, but I, I think it's fair to say the Bulls need more from Zach Levine. They expect more from Zach Levine. And if he's going to go out there and Billy and him say he, he's feeling pretty good, um, you got to judge him by that. And it's only going to get harder tomorrow with, with shorter rest being a, being a noon game and only one day off instead of two like they had earlier in the series. Cody, I appreciate you coming on. And I, I certainly expect you to have been there last night at midnight and, and be there tonight at midnight working on your game story the way DeMar was working on his shooting. I think everybody needs work in that. But if we might do a little bit of X's and O's at this point, even though I'm not big on that, we're talking about adjustments that now it's Billy Donovan's turn. And when you have the bull, the Bucks successfully pushing the Bulls to their left, we dare you. We dare you to do something. Isn't there kind of a the baseball relay throw? Isn't it like Vooch at the elbow, Vooch at some point coming out and being the middle of a passing sequence to reverse it? to the other side where the Bucks have, they're not, their attention is nowhere over there. Doesn't that, isn't that the first thing they have to do? I don't think we're going to make the Bulls more physical, but can't we make them smarter with the basketball? It doesn't have to touch the floor. You can just start volleyballing it around to the other side when the when the Bucks are concentrated, say, on the left side when it's DeRozan or, or Levine. You, you nailed it. I mean, Billy Donovan admitted that. Zach Levine admitted that. They did a really poor job getting the ball to Vooch in the pocket when the game was still in doubt, which, again, was not a long, long amount of time last night. But uh, their adjustments didn't come quickly enough. And Billy, I mean, he even said that after game one, we got to get the ball to Vooch as a hub of the offense more. Um, speaking just kind of from what the Bulls wanted to, to change from game one to game two. And Vooch is been arguably their best player for the duration of the series. When you look at everything, I know DeMar had the bigger game in, in game two in the heroics, but Vooch has been producing for the most part. You got to swing the ball to the other side of the floor. And I, I think they need to do two things on that other side of the floor too, that can help. And this is where the Bulls become too stagnant too often. And I think some of it comes back to who they were in the regular season was relying on DeMar so much. And he played so well against some of these average and bad teams in the NBA that that the Bulls probably just got a little nonchalant like Patrick Williams has to cut to the hoop more off the ball as soon as it gets swung to Vooch or um, swung around the perimeter to someone like Caruso anything like that you've seen a couple cuts in game two from him but when he just stands there he doesn't help whatsoever at all the Bucks don't respect him as a three-point shooting threat and mm-hmm. I think the Bulls would be well served to get Zach Levine going in some off-ball action a little more on the other side of the court and have kind of two actions going at once. You just don't see that very often from them, like running Zach around a bunch of screens or anything like that. Like he'll attack out a pick and roll. He'll catch the ball with a little bit of advantage after DeMar or someone creates it. Um, he'll come around Vooch screens sometimes, obviously. But if you're talking like DeMar and Vooch on one side in a centerpiece, I think if you can do something to get Zach a little bit um, spaced up or just get the defense's attention to that a little bit more, that can certainly help. I just haven't seen enough of that. Again, maybe some of that comes back to to Zach's knee uh, in some ways. But the Bulls don't seem to me to be creative enough off the ball all the time. 
and they don't have the guys who are aggressive and natural enough at cutting possession after possession um, to do that. And I think another small adjustment, too, is Caruso's passing was really good in game two. Like, he doesn't – you can't have him be the fulcrum of your offense, but if he can somehow get in the middle of the action with an advantage, um, I think that helps, too, because he can read the game well. Well, Tristan Thompson is 6'9", and congratulations, Cody. You had as many rebounds as he did last night. Yeah. And Pat, Patrick Williams was the fourth overall pick in the draft, and congratulations, Cody. You finished only one point behind him last night. So I would think more contributions from other players, and just try. Come out and play hard. If they don't come out and show the effort tomorrow after what happened, then just cancel the rest of the series. So we'll look forward to Whatever you have to bring us tomorrow on 670thescore.com. Thanks, Cody. I appreciate it. You have a good rest of the show. Thank you. That's Cody Westerlin. 670thescore.com covers the Bulls. It's an excellent job, and just, and, and the points are all well made. It's like, well, how, how do people watching this game know what the Bulls should do and the Bulls coaches don't? Well, they figured it out, and we'll see what happens then. If you are a Bulls fan... And you need to vent. We're here. We're, we're here for radiotherapy. We want to give you the opportunity to vent, to scream at the bulls, to scream about them, to voice your disappointment, your anger, whatever it is. Our phone number is 312-644-6767. The score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app. Do it today or visit betql.com. I'm Steve Rosenblum with Saturday Suckage. You can text us, 312-644-6767, or call us, and Caesar will be your concierge, and he will bring you to the air. Right, Caesar? Is this how we're doing this? Is that what we're going to do? Yes, I will act as the gatekeeper today. Get us uh, our callers on the air. Just uh... there, you, there you go. We'll, we have you vent. We're radiotherapy. It's part of Saturday Suckage. It's it's the therapy. We, we allow you to vent, and then you can go on and enjoy the weather. It's going to be a lovely day, despite the way the, the Bulls soiled it for you last night. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Thanks for listening. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum. It's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Really? Big Boy's guy did a Saturday suckage bump. Wow. Wow. Welcome into a welcome into an alternate universe. Big Boy's guy. I want that to be my my uh, put that Caesar, how do I get that on my phone? How do I have that as my voicemail intro? I can work I on sending that. that to you. You'll you'll have it by the end of the day, don't worry. I, I need that. That's just that's just a wonderful thing. Big voice guys. Saturday suckage. Chicago is playing in the background. All right, I'm Steve Rosenman with Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. But God, the Bulls. Um, I want to give you a chance to vent. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. That's the number to call us on the telephone. Caesar, what do you got for us? We're going to start over in Bradley with Massey. This is Massey from Bradley. Welcome. Welcome hey guys. to the score. Hey. Hey. 
Hey, uh, if you, if I'm not here to vent because I kind of didn't expect the Bulls to be here in the first place. At the end of the, at the beginning of the season or whenever this season started, would we have expected the Bulls to be ex- as successful as as they are this year? I don't know if I would have expected them to be borderline playoff material. I don't know if I'm underreaching if that's what. I'm trying to say, but I didn't expect this out of them in the first place. So I think I'm kind of uh, just uh, admired, I guess, if that's the word I'm looking for. I don't know. I'm just kind of didn't expect this in the first place. I don't know why you didn't. I think a lot of people, there were their, their lowest, the lowest, uh, um, lowest view of the bulls, the lowest uh, assessment of them, the lowest prediction was probably, a play-in team, but most, if there were a consensus, now I haven't gone door to door, but if there were a consensus, I would think most people would have had the Bulls as a sixth seed. That would be a really good accomplishment. Sixth seed, be in the playoffs, not have to worry about play-in games, and then you take on whoever you take on. And that's, that's where they ended up on a roller coaster season. So I could see where you might be happy with that. Hey, this is where we are. I think you why you why you might be angry with this. Look where we used to be, and then Grayson Allen, that dirty little cheap shot uh, artist, and what he did to our season, what he how he hurt it. It might be a different seed. However, what you saw last night, first home playoff game in five years. Where was the effort? Where was the fight? Where was the intensity? Where was anything that looked like game two in Milwaukee? I'm still looking for that. You see that? Anybody? Anybody see that? I, I just don't. I, I I think it's it was an embarrassment to the the effort and the result. And you saw how the Bulls, you know, when it, <clears throat> when they officially quit, Billy Donovan sent out for the the fourth quarter. This was this is <laughs> this is like oh my god. <laughs> Here you go. Here we've officially quit. We've sent out Kobe White, Io, Troy Brown Jr., Patrick Williams, and Tristan Thompson, and that's it. The only thing Billy Donovan didn't do in that fourth quarter was bat Leury Garcia second and send out Reese McGuire to pinch hit. It was just, it was awful. And that effort, what you saw, what you didn't see, the fans behind him, it's raucous, and then he ended up booing them. You're giving him nothing. Milwaukee's giving you the three-point shot. You decide you're not going to hit it. You can't. You just and you don't figure out any other way to do something. I don't. I six six zero texter. This is the most embarrassing thing I can remember in Chicago sports. Billy needs to be fired after that. Okay. Three three one. Well, the Bulls should be very well arrested for tomorrow's games since they took the night off. You know, being arrested would be an interesting thing. Because you certainly, the Bulls certainly didn't give people their money's worth. So that was a big con. And uh, <laughs> I'm a big Levine, 331, I'm a big Levine fan. But last night was the first time I've really been disappointed in him. You saw early that Milwaukee was not going to let DeMar go off. So it felt of Zach to pick it up. And he didn't. You know, I, don't know, I don't know what's health. I don't know what's not. 219, Texter, I believe this playoff experience is important. Well, yes, it is, especially important for Zach Levine. He's going to be there. You want to see, like, am I going to spend all this money? Is he going to be worth it? It's really, 
what do we have here in this team? How do they perform? When the when the spotlight got hot, when everybody was looking, they just they soiled the bed. This was everybody thought coming out of game two, oh my god, Middleton's hurt. Look at the way they played with him. The Bucks aren't the Bucks. This is not last year's team. Well, kind of was last year's team. These are the Bulls who just soiled the bed, looked nothing like what they had in game two, and there's no explanation for it. How do you not get ready for a, a home playoff game like that? Speaking of tomorrow's games, and they need to be arrested for it, uh, our broadcast tomorrow, we have hit and run on the score. Matt Spiegel will take you from 9 till noon. At noon, I'm aligned with Cody Decker till 12.45, and that will be Zach's pregame. That will be pregame for Cubs and Pirates on 6.70 the score. The Bulls, meanwhile... You can catch what they intend to play, what kind of effort they intend to give out. Chuck's pregame show is 11.45 on WBBM AM, 7.80 AM. That is where you're going to get your Bulls game tomorrow. Today, we will be, we'll take a break. We will, I know the White Sox suck too. It's really awful. Tony La Russa has just, he's gone He's gone full Bevington with this Larry Garcia thing, and it's sad, and they've made a ton of errors. All the things they supposedly worked on in spring training, well, we're going to be smarter on the bases. We're going to play better defense. No, you're not. You guys suck. 13 errors in the last six games, six of them by Tim Anderson. You know what? Tim Anderson should just take the suspension now. Drop his appeal. I'm going to sit today because I suck with the glove and the arm and all that other stuff. The White Sox will be worth talking about maybe later. But after this break, there is somebody who witnessed robot umps and pitch clocks at White Sox games, White Sox minor league games. And he will be here to tell us what happened and why it's a better game or why it's a different game and why you get to, well, in the White Sox case, I guess why they might make errors quicker. And we'll cover that. At the top of the hour, Mark Grody will be here. Well, it's his show. He's not on this show, but he will be on this show. We're kind of hope to do a version of what Mark heard. The Bears went through their mini camp, and in playing fake football, Justin Fields still looked like crap. Great. We'll get that report. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday suckage. We suck so you don't have to. And now we have the big voice guy with a bumper to prove it. God, we just got ver- that's being better than being verified by Twitter. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. <laughs> Big voice guys saying Saturday Suckage. Caesar, do we know how many takes it took him to say that? Like, he couldn't believe it. I really have to say this. I'm getting paid for this. Are there, is there anything he won't say? Is this is this kind of the barometer for him? Do we know? I got, I got about two or three that we're going to be spitting out here. So it took at least two or three for sure. Wow. All right. Well, we're we're official. We're important. We're back. Steve Rosen went with you. Saturday Suckage, the big voice guy, just said so. So it must be true. The uh, White Sox, we can talk about them. But something caught my eye earlier. And it earlier this week, and I love the idea that it is happening 
with a local team, the minor league affiliate of a local team. We're going to see robo-umps in big league parks. We're going to see pitch clocks in big league parks. So what are they doing so far? What was the experience like? Someone who was there, saw it, felt it, and someone who talked to some players about it. So I thought we'd go down to Charlotte. We will talk with Jeff Cohen. He is the Future Sox and Sox Machine Charlotte Knights correspondent. He joins us now on the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. So, Jeff, thank you for coming on. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing today, Steve? Do, doing good. I got a question for you. The the Your experience with both of these experiences, we'll break them down in a moment. What was it like watching a game? I it, it, with both of these things going on, dealing with both of these things, keeping track, what was your experience like as a as a fan, as an observer? Well, it's interesting. I, I think that uh, players, coaches, and fans, everyone was really overwhelmed and preoccupied with the pitch clock. That just changed hmm. what we were watching, what we'd ever seen before. And I think the robo-umps, almost got lost in, in the picture um, because, you know, the sig- the signal would go down to the umpire and he would make the call like he always does. But um, the game was really different to watch with the pitch clocks. You know, we had a couple guys who got automated third strike calls on them. And, uh, you know, one of them, Sebi Zavala, argued about it and got tossed out of the game. I and mean, it was just a very different experience. Wait, so he argued with an umpire who really didn't make the call. He's yelling at an umpire because he can't yell at artificial intelligence. No, he, he yelled at the umpire about being called, given a third strike because he wasn't in the batter's box in time. Well, explain that. Explain that because it, let, let's first explain there's a pitch clock in, in this, in what you saw, uh, we're talking with Jeff Cohen. He is the Future Sox and Sox Machine Charlotte Knights correspondent. So the Charlotte Knights were playing, and the pitchers have 14 seconds to throw a pitch unless a runner's on base, in which case they are given 18 seconds. However, the batters right. have some responsibility, too, to speed this game along. So connect the dots for us, Jeff. Right. There are actually a ton of new rules related to the pitch clock. Those are the basic ones, 14 seconds and 18 seconds. Um, But the batter has to engage the pitcher, be in the box by nine seconds, and be ready if the pitcher is ready. Um, So it's a lot faster than you think. Um, And then there are tons of other rules that we don't even think about. For example, uh, when – the pitch clock has to start when a reliever comes in um, out of the bullpen. When does that happen? Well, the answer is once he crosses the foul line. Or even if um, the ball boy brings out some extra baseballs to the home plate umpire, when does the umpire start the pitch clock? Once the balls go into his pouch. It's it's just crazy. It, it was just a completely different game. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you from a fan standpoint, um, I really like the uh, pace of play. It really it, it was much more enjoyable. But from the players' and coaches' point of view, 
it was really difficult. I talked to uh, Wes Helms, the manager of the uh, Charlotte Knights, and he said he barely had time to get his uh, signs into base runners and batters. I was going to ask about the yeah, – first of all, it's confusing to say when the pitcher, relief pitcher crosses the baseline. Doesn't he get warm-up throws? That confused me. He and gets a certain a batter... amount of time – he gets a certain amount of time for warm-up throws, but there's a certain amount of time in which he's got to be ready to go. And then a batter steps so it's out not, of the box. It's not number of pitches anymore, which it used to be, right? I yeah. think they used to get eight. Now it's all on the clock. So when a batter steps out of the box to look down at the third base coach, whatever Wes, Wes Helms has sent to his third base coach, the minor leagues, a lot of times the manager is the third base coach, which would would cut down on on one form of one one leg of the communication. So, does the batter still have to get in there in nine seconds? Yes. After after he trying to he figure out what the sign is, less than, he can't step out if they're less than eight seconds. So I, there's a five second window in there, um, or I guess six seconds from eight seconds to fourteen seconds. There's a six-second window in there when he has got to get the sign from the third base coach. We're talking with Jeff Cohen. He is the Charlotte Knights correspondent, the White Sox minor league team, uh, for FutureSox.com and SoxMachine.com and their their one and one big family. And the idea of robo-umps and pitch clocks. So if the pace improved, one of the things that... I think people get don't separate. For me, it's two different things. Having shorter games doesn't mean the pace is improved. Having more action is more what I'm going for because players weren't allowed to take all that time and might not have been at their best to perform. Was there more action in a game? Uh, it felt like it, but just because there was less dead time. You know, those days of Nomar Garcia-Para stepping out and rewrapping the batting gloves, that's gone, at least in the minor leagues. There's just no time for that anymore. So, from again, from looking at the game from with my fans' perspective, the pace was much more enjoyable. From a player's perspective, I think it was clearly uh, much too fast for them. And when I talked to them afterwards – they just uh, it was too big of an adjustment you know one of the problems that these minor leaguers have is you know they're still learning the game and the game speeds up on them and they so it's really important for the uh, pitcher to at least be able to step off a batter be able to step out of the batter's box and just compose themselves maybe once per batter Um, and so I think having a pitch clock is a good idea because it does improve the pace of play, but I'm not sure these are the right times. I think baseball needs to experiment with different times. I, I'm, you know, I would disagree because I, I believe you, you get used to whatever you're told to get used to. And I believe that minor leaguers will get used to it, Jeff. I believe that they'll just have to deal with it. We're in the early stages of, oh, my God, and nobody nobody likes this kind of change especially when you think it might affect your your future. And I certainly understand all that. 
one of the things that will affect that is the strike zone. How different was the strike zone from both a pitcher standpoint that you talked to or that you saw and from a hitter standpoint that you talked to and that you saw? I spoke to uh, Romy Gonzalez, who plays shortstop for the Knights, and and I asked him what he thought about it from a hitter, and he said, you know, from his vantage point at short, he can see most of the pitches and most of the calls, and he thought, at least initially, and they only had it for three games last week in Charlotte, he thought at least initially he didn't see uh, any improvement in terms of the consistency of the strike zone. He, he said, you know, I saw one pitch that was a strike and then the same location a few pitches later was a ball. He said, so I'm not really seeing the consistency yet. Um, and But I also got the feeling being in the press box that there's a lot of technology and I think they're still sorting out some of the kinks. Do you know enough about the technology to figure out how teams are going to cheat? Like, what are the Astros going to do next? What are the Yankees going to do next to cheat? <laughs> well, I guess everyone will figure something out, won't they? I mean, if you've you got know. an analytics department, I guess you'll come up with the technology department. To... <laughs> hey, can Roman Gonzalez play shortstop in the majors? Because Tim Anderson can't right now. Boy, yeah. Well, they, uh, that's been rough to watch, isn't it? That's really tough. And does Wes Helms does Wes Helms think Leury Garcia should bat second, or is he is he a sane person? Yeah, you know we haven't gotten into that. I try and stay away from the, those kind of topics with Wes, but uh, we really focus more on the guys in Charlotte. But uh, yeah, those uh, your your uh, listeners are uh, pretty uh, riled up these days over uh, where Leroy is in the batting order. Right, where there's just I don't nobody understands why it's just it's this is what happens when the owner hires a guy and the GM doesn't he can do what he wants and he's he's just pranking he's punking White Sox fans with this well I think he might get hot really he's batting 200 and it's just right it's it's awful it's just nobody and then in base running mistakes he just ran right up Louis Robert and it just I don't I don't understand who do you think who have you watched in the Charlotte Knights who's who should White Sox fans expect to see next up here well that's interesting um i would have said uh, a reliever but all the relievers i thought who were going to be in charlotte this year are already in chicago <laughs> uh, bennett susan anderson severino and and uh tanner banks um romy's off to a bit of a slow start but you know he'll come around i think he's pretty solid um but I don't think he's going to move the needle much in in, uh, in Chicago. Carlos Perez is a catcher who's doing well, but I don't think there's really a spot for him. Um, and then our other the other two prospects, uh, I don't think they're going to do any be able to do much for the White Sox anytime soon. Or Mike Rodolfo and Blake Rutherford. No, I Mike Mike Rodolfo is just he's he's only there because nobody else wanted him and. Blake Rutherford sounds like a better hedge fund than it is an outfielder or a hitter. Man, they just... both have interesting histories. And um, uh, but to answer your question, I think uh, the uh, the guys who might be able to help the uh, White Sox more this year might be um, down in a, a lower level, uh, like in Birmingham. Um, uh, and that's that's in Birmingham and, and Winston and. Canapolis are where the more exciting prospects are in this uh, organization. 
Okay. Jeff, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for telling us about your experience with the uh, pitch clock and the robo-ops. We'll see what happens. Thanks for Thank having you. me, and uh, let's get the White Sox turned around. Yeah, I, I would. You know, just stop betting Larry Garcia. Second, you got a shot. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Take care. All right. That's that's Jeff Cohen. He's a Charlotte Knights correspondent for Future Sox and Sox Machine, two of our favorite websites for people coming on and talking socks we appreciate jeff coming on and i just thought the robocop or robocop roboump and the and the pitch clock to experience them and a, and a local team you have player names you've heard of Zeb, sebi uh, oh my god said sabalos that's where i'm going with that and roman gonzalez and guys talking about what they're what they've seen what they feel i think they'll get used to whatever they're going to get used to and i haven't seen it have you seen it, Caesar? Has Tim Tim Anderson decided he was going to take a suspension today because he's really been awful? Nothing yet. Is I it, have not seen anything yet, but uh, we'll keep an eye on it here. See, for all the crap about Leury Garcia with a win probability added of minus 0.088 in the last three games, Tim Anderson's has been worse. Sox have made 13 errors in the last six games. Anderson has made six. Throwing error last night led to bad, bad, bad run, and they lost to the Twins. You just you can't do that. I mean, it's not just Anderson. Teams lost um, six of eight. The offense sucks, and it's just Michael Kopech was great. Michael Kopech was wonderful. That's outstanding. They can't hit. They can't field. They can't run the bases very well. Michael Kopech was great. Super. But they need something. They need to start looking like a like a major league team and stop being under 500. We're going to take a break. We're going to go talk with Mark Grody after this. We'll get an update on Dave the Cat and we will do a version of what Mark heard. The, the Bears had a mini camp this week. So they played fake football and Justin Fields still wasn't good. Well, that's good. That's really exciting. Get your season tickets. We'll talk to Grody after this. Perfect for Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Rack and yak. It's time for What Mark Heard on Saturday Suckage with Mark Grody and Steve Rosenblum. Boy, everyone is stupid except me. Yeah. Mark Grody, it's his show. He used to be on this show. He's now on this show because that's what we do. What Mark Heard. With or without sound. Welcome in, welcome back. Saturday suckage, and it wouldn't be Saturday suckage without Mark Brody. And he's joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Mark, how are you? I'm not even there with you, Steve, but I'm actually still sucking because I am doing laundry right now in my facility and i have managed to lock myself out of my apartment so i have to go through the drills of getting a key and getting myself back into my apartment after i get off this call with you so i thought you're not serious about this last week you forgot your pass and you're texting me in the lobby come down and get me and i think it's a prank and i'm not falling for that and you really were in the lobby waiting like like a mope, right? Like just you were Joe Civilian down there. Hey, I'm fanboy. I want to come up and see the radio station. And now you've really locked yourself and out of your apartment. Did Dave? Did Dave the cat do this to you? 
<laughs> enjoying full reign of the place right now. Yeah, I've been really dis I have really been disorganized lately now that you bring it up. Like I'm kind of a bit of a mess. And I gotta say that my record, generally speaking, has been pretty good because I live in a high rise. So you walk out of your place, and so my laundry facility is here. There's a gym in this building. So you always have to remember, even if you're doing mundane things within your building, it's a little awkward to think you have to bring your keys because you're not actually exiting the building. Generally speaking, my record has been pretty clean, and it's become so commonplace in this building, in my high-rise, and I'm sure in other high-rises, that they at least they have stopped. They used to actually have the nerve to charge people, they would have charge people like 50 bucks, like the second time you everybody gets one free. Now it's just free for everybody. So luckily it's just more of a pain in the butt that I got to go downstairs. I got to show an ID. I got to sign a piece of paper. And then the security guy has to walk me up to my place and prove that it's my place. So it's really just a hassle of the whole thing. And I'm sure people are just enjoying the hell out of listening to this right now. Uh, why do you take your wallet down there too to do your laundry? Why would you have ID on you if you don't have your keys? Why would you have ID on you? Well, How actually, you... you know, since <laughs> you mentioned it, I don't have my ID. I grabbed out of my <laughs> wallet <laughs> when I came down to the, the laundry facility. I told you I have a broken wallet. That's why I didn't have my security badge last week. So I when have I leave a broken my place, wallet. I have a broken wallet. That's the disorganization. That's the genesis right there. Because when I leave my place now, I always grab out of my wallet what I need. And in this case, it was my ATM card, my credit card, and my laundry card, both credit cards. And I thought I had it right. I beat the system. Nobody's down here doing laundry because it's such a beautiful day. So I felt great about myself. And then I realized I forgot uh, my keys. And I also re remembered that I have to talk to you on the radio. Wow. And which is worse, if you were to rate them right now? Talking about losing your key on the radio, I would think would be, that would be connecting all the dots, Mark. Oh, my God. Yeah, on the radio. Yeah, that's where we're at, Steve. That's where we're at. Okay, the first issue, the most important one, I think, is um, comes from a 630 texter. Were you guys, were you on the air with Spiegel Thursday afternoon when Julie Swike came on for part of Score Memories? I was not. I was so disappointed oh. because I was oh. on a lot that week, and it just so happened that I was covering the Bears that day, ah. and so I was not on with Jewel. She actually had uh, texted me in the morning that day to ask me if I was going to be on because she had heard me on in, uh, you know, the afternoon time with Matt Spiegel filling in for Danny Parkins, so... No, that would have been so awesome, man. I was very disappointed. But she sounded Apparently, great. She, she invoked the word suck, and she and a 630 texter was encouraging us to add her to the roll call. Julie, of course, is represented on the roll call because she was the one who told us about Avenue Q. So I think it's fitting if we can get Julie in the roll call. So there's that. It's and like you're really, you're really hurting for representatives. I mean, it's only, up to a, it's only at 11 minutes for the opening, so I, I'm sure you could use more volume yeah we are we're we're looking for we're, we're looking for the entire first segment to do <laughs> to call roll all right so, so you just you just love that but go on i, go on. I love there. the whole idea we got we got all of this and somebody today suggested pat foley we got to find pat foley on that so the bears were playing fake football this week and justin Fields still didn't look good 
or didn't look good consistently. So for somebody, what do you make of all this? What's what's I know it's only April. It's the first time with a new coach, blah, blah, blah. But when you're really not playing football, you should be able to hit everything. You should look good. You should look smart. So let's start with the quarterback. What did you hear? What did more occurred? And what do you think? It is to do what you just did and give the disclaimer that it's only April and we get a lot of people that get mad at us and say that as well, but we're just reporting what we saw, what we saw on yeah. the field. I, I was out there watching the entire practice. The bears do let us watch the entire practices during the voluntary mini camp. So it's more than just a glimpse. And, you know, we're not allowed to go into heavy details about what went on, but, um, being out there with the rest of the Chicago Bears media and watching and reporting, they were not making connections. Justin Fields was not hitting his receivers. I mean, he, he did, it wasn't, you know, a complete disaster of like where he hit nothing. You know, there were a couple of nice passes, but there, you know, it, the, the connections weren't there yet. This is, it's very easy to just say, uh, just Justin. It's on him, and oh my God, you know, he hasn't made any improvements. I don't know that that's the case. It, you know, he he is with a group of wide receivers, most of whom probably will not play any part in the Bears season this coming year, except for Darnell Mooney and maybe Byron Pringle as well. So it's really hard to evaluate. And what I I genuinely don't know, Steve, is. When, when we watch that, who is it actually on? Is it actually on the receivers not being in the right spot, or is it Justin Fields actually overthrowing, underthrowing, that kind of thing? Here's the thing. We don't really know yet what the Luke Getze offense is going to be, so it's really hard for us to watch and say, okay, that guy was supposed to be there, or it's the receiver's fault, or that was on Justin Fields. And watching Justin Fields' you know, body language a little bit, he, he did look frustrated. And sometimes when you see a guy look frustrated, it's because he feels, especially a quarterback, he feels that his teammates maybe weren't doing the right thing or weren't in the right place. I did ask Matt Eberflus, was there frustration? Eberflus said, no, there wasn't. And he talked to them afterwards and told them that errors are good and that we could work through them. And to some extent, that's a good point. If you're gonna, if things are gonna be difficult, they may as well be difficult in friggin' voluntary mini camp as opposed to even <laughs> regular training camp or a preseason game or a regular season game. So we got a long way to go. But I am not. My point is, is that I know Justin Fields is the headliner. That's the name that when we tweet things out, um, that's the name that people. I don't know that it was his fault. And and at this point, we're not going to get those answers out of Matt Eberflus. All right. Interesting. It's a a place we want to start. We always start. We have to. They paid a dear price for him. And he's the guy. He has to be. It's a quarterback-driven league. So I found two things interesting, and I don't know that I have all the perspective or context. I'm sure you'll be able to add this. He repeated Patrick Finley's question. Do I think I was always put in the best position to succeed? Meaning last year with Negi. And he said, um, I don't know. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. You just have to handle what you've got. And then talking about the early, the introductory phases, the start of Luke Getze, his offense, Field said, 
I hope they will just tailor the plays to my skill set, which we're going to do. Just finding out what I do best, what we do best as an offense, what we do best as a team. It sounds, or he doesn't want to go near the Matt Nagy stuff, and he wasn't in a position. I would like to have heard him say what was not, what put him in a position to fail. He didn't say that. Maybe you can help there, Mark. The other part is, are we really at the point where he's still saying, where he's not sure they'll tailor the plays to his skill set? This is Nagy all over again if this isn't clear to Justin Fields. I think that's what every quarterback hope, every quarterback hopes for and every quarterback would say. If you ask a quarterback, how, do you, how would you like to see the offense progress this year? Well, I'd like to see them tailor it to what I do best. And if Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze are smart, that's exactly what they would do. I mean, it's almost dumb not to. Like, why wouldn't you do that? If a guy is good at something, then have him do that. As far as the Matt Nagy stuff is concerned and being asked where you put in the right position to succeed and the answer being, well, I don't really know, I mean, that tells you exactly what you need to know. And if you'd like an example of where he was not put in a great place to succeed, it was the Cleveland game and where it was just a disaster and he gets sacked nine times. And I've said this uh, a lot lately that, you know, upon thinking about that game again and then thinking about the rest of his season, I do wonder if that informed Justin Fields to some degree of, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. You know, like maybe he lost some faith in the previous regime after that day. Maybe he lost some faith in his offensive line that day. Maybe he lost faith in his receivers and helping him uh, that day, running that. Everybody, I just wonder if that sort of stained him, like, like football trauma occurred for him and he just wasn't quite trusting the rest of, of the year. Um, that, that's kind of what it looked like to me, and we saw other examples of it throughout the season. And this is like, and you and I have talked about this. Mm-hmm. Justin Fields also had a lot of poor moments last year, poor individual moments where it wasn't him being put in the wrong place. So I'm not going to do this thing all year where I'm going to just indict Matt Nagy and just everything that he did was terrible and awful. We know he had issues, but I'm not going to blame the whole thing. On, on him. This, this is a rookie quarterback who has all the, the raw material in the world to be great in terms of arm and legs and vision and downfield throwing ability, but we didn't see it a lot last year. There were moments for sure, and in those moments, that's where your eyes were wide open. Oh, okay. And I think that you can take those into this year and, yes, make them Find out what this is. This coaching staff has the benefit of seeing an entire rookie year of Justin Fields for the most part, except for the games that didn't start early and the games in which he was injured. And you can look at it and say, okay, we, we can put this guy in a better, but we shouldn't do this with him. We should do more of that. And the previous regime didn't have that benefit. Mark Grody is with us on Saturday Suckage. He is talking to us from a lead-lined laundry bunker in somewhere in Chicago. He's not at liberty to say, lest he be in danger. And one of the things you, I saw you retweeted, and I, what did you make of this? It's Eddie Jackson tweeting, 
can we bring back the dream, meaning Akeem Hicks, who certainly made Jackson's job easier with the pressure he provided. Um, maybe Jackson already knows how much he'll get undressed when he looked bad last year when these guys were in and around and whatever. I, what did you make of that other than we want more good players? If you're a defensive lineman for the Bears this year and your starting safety tweets that out, you go, hey, dude, bro, what are you doing? I just think Eddie Jackson wants friends, man. He's lost all his friends on the team. <laughs> that was my first thought because he, it, wow. it's really, really weird. Like when he was out, you know, he missed the first day of camp, but he was there the, the other two days. It looked weird because he's around all these guys that he doesn't know well. And he was still being Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson's a very vocal player, very vocal in practice and all that kind of yeah. stuff. And it just it looked weird because he didn't have his guy Khalil Mack with whom he was really close to Sean Gibson, who he's worked with the last couple of years. No more Eddie Goldman. No more Tariq Cohen, who was the – look, he's the last guy in that draft class, in the Mitchell Trubisky draft class. He's it. You know, Tariq Cohen, obviously injured, cut by the Bears, and they were buddies too. So he's running out of friends on this team. And, uh, you know – Considering what the, the the Ryan Poles regime has been doing, that has been you know signing guys to one-year contracts, guys that aren't necessarily dynamic players who you look at and say are going to make a big-time difference. I guess you know considering that Akeem Hicks has you know had injury issues and has been a little bit lower volume. I think he's I think that he's a bigger name than a lot of the guys that the Bears have brought in. If you're going to do this one-year flyer thing and Akeem Hicks would be down, why not bring in Akeem Hicks? But I I would imagine at this point Akeem Hicks is not going to accept a one-year contract from the Bears. He might from another team, but, you know, it seems like that that would be, you know, after what Akeem Hicks perceived that he went through last year and having to deal with the fact that the Bears were not willing to give him a long-term extension, despite it being the previous regime, it's still the Bears. So I would imagine that Akeem Hicks probably wouldn't be down with signing back with the Bears. But, you know, I think it's like a – like with Eddie Jackson, it's he, he he likes them. He needs friends, and he's like, "Why not? Why not?" I mean, uh, you, you <laughs> can look. That, that's that's certainly not a downgrade bringing in a Keem Hicks at this point. No, but you tell you why not? Because you got a team that's there. You got a roster that's there. You got defensive linemen over there, and you're saying, "Well, you've shown up for 20 minutes and said well, these guys aren't good enough." That's why it could be interpreted. That's why oh, not. That's you're looking at it. No, I, I think he just looked at it as. Hey, my guy Akeem Hicks is out there. Why not bring him in? I, I didn't go that deep on it. Maybe, maybe you're right, but that's not that did not go through my brain. I wasn't like, oh, these guys. I mean, there's no way Eddie Jackson, three days into or two days in his case, where he knows what how good any of these guys are that they've brought in. You know, Kadeem Muhammad and Justin Jones and all these guys. They might be who knows. They might be really good, and if they stay healthy, that's that's bringing you more production than a teammates just in that regard. All right, Mark, I, I really appreciate you talking to us while you were being imprisoned <laughs> doing your laundry. And for those of you late joining the show, you're in trouble. Mark forgot his key. He's in the laundry room. He's going, you want to stay on the phone doing this interview so they'll know that security doesn't need ID. You're just the guy who does his radio show and rattles the walls with it. Do you want to just keep doing it that way? No, you're right. I'm already suspect in this building because I'm so loud and I <laughs> score overnight. Security's always looking at me with a side eye. Uh, no, you know what's funny, actually, is the when, uh, sadly, when, when the grabber died, 
a, a lot. I, I had television stations coming to this building because oh. they want they you know heard the show that I did and they knew the word yeah. got out that I was close with Les. So I was kind of the the one of the the spokespeople for Les. You know, I, I got the opportunity to speak glowingly of him. And the TV stations would come and they would set up outside of my building and they've got the camera guy, the light guy, and the interview guy. And they became very, they're like, what's going on here? They're like, I walk back in, they're all looking at me like, what, what, what's that? Like, are you talking bad about our building? What's going on here? And then, you know, of course, I explained to them what was going on. And then I'm a big deal and people know me. Um, and then <laughs> I'm they were, kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. Take know that, Chance that. the Rapper. I don't know how to put this, but <laughs> I'm. People know me, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah, take that chance. I haven't, you know what? I wonder if I'll see Chance in the neighborhood today because the last time I saw Chance, it was on a day like today. He likes to stroll in the Ville, so I will report back if I see my guy Chance the rapper. Yeah, we'll look forward to next week. See if you actually got out of your laundry room and back into your apartment. So thanks for thanks we'll for see. taking the we'll time. Thanks, thanks for taking the time, Mark. Good luck on all that. That's our Mark Rody. Part of Saturday second. How much does that suck, locking yourself out? How much does that suck? You go down and do your laundry. So you really, you can't possibly have any idea. Maybe the credit card, I guess. And you, and you go down and do your laundry. And you realize you lock yourself out. The door slams, and it's like, I guess so. When people have done that in a hotel, when you walk out to get, oh, I'll just get my room service, or I'll get my newspaper, and then the door slams behind you, and you're naked in the hallway. That's a thing. Well, I know maybe whatever Grody had was contagious. Yesterday, I panicked because I left my phone in a lift car. And like the whole thing, my whole life, your life is more in your phone now than your wallet. It used to be if you lost your wallet, it's like, oh my God, now my phone, my everything. And thank God for a Mandalorian. She was my friend, my hero. She made sure everything got back and... Ron, the lift driver, came back, and I was—I am—I've been rescued. Sorry to say for you people, because now you're listening to Saturday Suckage. We'll take a break. When we come back, I have a couple notes to finish up the show before we get to Cubs pregame with Zach Zaidman. We will bring you Cubs Pirates. Maybe the Cubs can get to two and three against the Pirates, a team that quit on baseball but is still playing baseball. Maybe the Cubs can beat that team today. Kyle Hendricks is pitching him and his 6.08 ERA. That sounds like Saturday Suckage, Chicago. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. <laughs> Big boys guy, Odyssey Station, Saturday Suckage. We must be official. Caesar, do you know where that was, where, where our friend Julie Swika used the word suck on Thursday afternoon with Spiegel and the score stories relating to the three decades the score has been trouncing local sports talk radio? Caesar, I do not know where it's this? at, but we will definitely have it pulled and ready for the roll call next week coming back. Good. We could add Julie to that. Like I said, Julie was responsible. Julie and her cultured ways were responsible for adding Avenue Q to our roll call. And so there we go. Somebody had texted in about or tweeted, tweeted at me about Pat Foley and the Karpatsev rant. And I said we didn't have a cut of Foley using the word suck or some variant thereof. 
And I don't know, did the, I know we've changed systems. Caesar, do you know if the Karpatsev rant from Pat Foley made it over to, to the new version of what we have in our vault? I'm sure a minute or two of searching here, we'll be able to find it. Give me a minute or so here. Because it was a classic. Now, I'm a big Foley guy. I love Pat Foley. I was lobbying him for the Hall of Fame years ago, and I think he's just terrific. He didn't want any part of that. He just said, don't, don't, don't do this campaigning crap. I hate that. Um, and they voted him in because they voted him in, because he was a, is a Hall of Famer. And his leaving, Mark and I discussed this, kind of kicked an idea around, like, well, maybe it wasn't all Pat's choice. Maybe it wasn't meant to be. And my number one rule in life is follow the money. And that's especially so with the Wirtz family. And what happened with Pat Foley last time was money. They didn't want to pay him. They thought they could get a two for one. Well, let's get a cut rate play-by-play guy and an analyst, and we can get him for the same salary we were going to pay or that Foley was asking for. And then he came back. And I don't, I don't know if teams recognize the value of announcers because I'm not sure what's happening with John Weideman on radio. I heard part of what Jamie Faulkner, a Hawks new muckamuck, and, and Danny Wirtz, uh, incestuous muckamuck, were talking about. And the idea that there would be any hit that you were taking John Weideman off radio and, now you're, and Pat Foley is leaving, this just sounds like guys... My fear, my fear is that it's all about money and the product's going to suck. It's going to get worse because your announcers are your, they're the, they're the soundtrack of your franchise. They're your, maybe not the face of your team, but they're what fans know and remember and they go back decades. They are your best advertisement. And for you to think as the Blackhawks, now this is, this has been a dumb organization before. We've seen it be despicable. So now they're bad at hockey and they're bad at humanity. They're disgusting in a lot of ways. They're not to be trusted. So I have doubts about the way Pat's leaving. I want it to be on his terms. I hope it's on his terms. Skepticism after many decades in this Watching this family operate that hockey franchise has led me to believe there might be something else involved. And maybe Mark can get... Has Mark uh, called us back to say that he got into his apartment yet, Caesar? I just... We didn't ask him to, but we had a texture say, 630 texture, is Mark using an instant pot to call in? He needs a new wallet and a new phone. We, we haven't heard back from Mark yet, but I, I mean, I think that's a big process. That's going to be a while. He's, he's got a whole process in front of him, uh, getting paperwork filled out and all that. And uh, the fact that he doesn't have to pay, he got off nice there. That's for sure. Yeah, I think he just walks up. Do you know who I am? Yeah, you're the guy who bothers people at 3 in the morning trying to do your, your play radio show. That's who he is. 702 Texter. That's out in Vegas talking to, when we were talking about Eddie Jackson looking for a friend, as Mark put it, about Akeem Hicks coming back. Hicks was injured with non-contact fat guy injuries three years in a row. Maybe he can sign a games-played contract. Yeah, but so what? You don't want a roster spot taken up by some guy who's just going to get another fat guy injury. So, in a Bulls are playing, let me, let me give you all the, the, the rundown of the broadcast news you need for today and tomorrow. 
When Saturday Suckage ends, we will bring you Cubs pregame with Zach Zaidman. First pitch is at 120. Kyle Hendricks in his 6.08 ERA against Zach Thompson. Cubs and Pirates. Cubs will try to crawl back to two and three. It's a franchise that quit baseball but is showing up to torture the Cubs. Sunday's broadcast news. Here you go. Nine o'clock on this very station, Matt Spiegel will be here. He will do hit and run for three hours. At noon, down the line with Cody Decker. is a man who needs no caffeine. He defines caffeine. Cody will be on from 12 to 12.45. Pre-game with the Cubs. Pirates again on the score, 12.45. The Bulls game will be on WBBM AM 780. That's 11.45 for Chuck's pre-game show. And that's where you'll find what you'll find. And Julie Swike had texted me that she would love to be added to Suckage Roll Call. And she texted, wonder what I said. Well, Caesar, now we got to find out. Not just to know what Julie said, but so Julie can know what she said. And we'll have Suck on the Roll Call. So text Caesar, I had a good day. This a good morning. Here's how it worked out. I nailed the, do you read the dictionary, Caesar? Do you, have, do you find yourself doing that? Do you read the dictionary? Do you ever go there and just read the dictionary? Yeah, yeah, just like, uh, you know, Dodgeball, when he's walking down the stairs and he's got the dictionary in his hand. That, that's me walking around the house all the time with yeah, dictionary. Yeah, you look, do you look for mistakes? How do you go about it? Just just to build my vocab, you know. I, I, I walk around the house with the dictionary open here and there, just, just going through words, you know. I, I, do, I do that. You can do that online. The Merriam-Webster, merriam-webster.com, has a word of the day. So they give you the word of the day, they give you the pronunciation, they'll give you the definition, they'll give you a sample usage, and they'll give you a history of it, where it came from, what we got. And then they'll ask you a question, there'll be a little quiz, a little game that you can play with merriamwebster.com. And it's kind of, mostly it's a wheel of fortune thing. There'll be five of the 12 letters or whatever it is, three of the five letters, three of the 12 letters, whatever it is. And you have to fill in the blank, a, f- a word that means something similar to the word of the day, a synonym, we call it. Although Caesar, you know what's interesting? There's no synonym for the word synonym. That is interesting and something I've look- never thought of. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So I got that today, a Merriam-Webster. And then, then I went to Wordle. Do you do Wordle? Do you play Wordle? Do you try to fill in Wordle? Do you practice the, it's the, the art of Wordle? It's the first text message I receive from my wife on a daily basis every morning is her completed Wordle. Every morning I get a text message with a completed not, one. But I myself, I wait, wait, I, I, I keep telling her Caesar? they're fake words. <laughs> Caesar is, she's not in bed next to you in the morning. You say you get a text in the morning. Does she not even turn over and say hello? When we start our out-of-the-house communication for the day, put it that way. All right, sure. Now you want, if that's how you want to phrase it. Okay, so I nailed Wordle. I think it was uh, three or four. And then, you know what else, Caesar? You know what else you can play? You know what other game there is? You know what other vocabulary building exercise there is? It's called Loodle. What do you think that is, Caesar? I've heard of this, that it's, it's definitely a uh, 18 and above version I, from what I'm told. No, it's not. You actually, you're, you're better off having five and up, five-year-olds and up, because they know what Urban Dictionary is all about. Loodle, L-E-W-D-L-E. It's exactly what you think it is. It's all the dirty words, and and they give you letters, 
and like that so I nailed that today too sometimes it's six letters sometimes it's five and there's a big difference at one letter in trying to figure out the words so I had a hat trick today Merriam-Webster Wordle and Loodle it's a good day and I didn't lock myself out of my house doing my laundry like Grody did right Caesar you're playing the music you're not even listening you're just onto this thing we How gotta we go we gotta go yeah, we got to go. Okay, we got, I can't even hear the music. I just know it's faintly in the background. All right, we got to go. Cubs baseball is next pregame. Thank you for listening to Saturday Suckage. If nobody important listened, we'll be back next week. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Yes, wait, wait a minute, minute Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. it. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.